Welcome back to Beat the Good with Kate, the show that inspires each of us to see how we have the power to make a difference all around us. Each episode highlights an individual doing good in the world while following their passions, good for their own souls and for others. I get so excited about sharing each and every episode of Be The Good With You, and I hope you enjoy these people and stories. If you're new here, welcome, and if you are returning, thank you so much for your support. I'm so glad you found Be The Good With Kate and would love to hear from you. If you're finding value in these episodes, I invite you to share with someone who could also use this dose of good news, or tag me on social with your favorite quote from the episode. Every share, subscriber, review, and comment helps me to share these guests' wonderful work to more people. Thank you for your help in this. Now, on to this week's episode. Let's spread a little more goodness in the world. Brooke Happy, I'm so excited that she is here on Be The Good With Kate today to kick off our trio of three interviews that really hone in on the career change aspect that keeps coming up episode after episode. You know, people start off staying in college or in high school, they want to do one thing and how the journey takes them is pretty exciting and something I really wanted to highlight. So Brooke is here. She is the owner of Be Happy. And I just have to read from her LinkedIn because I love how she worded this. Iowa mom who sold it all to travel the U.S. in an RV, running Be Happy lifestyle brand from the road, giving back to causes dear to my heart and collaborating with brands. So Brooke, thanks so much for spending some time with me today. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm an absolute pleasure. So tell the audience a little bit more about the catalyst for change of your career, uh, because I know you were a physical therapist and you really wanted to focus on your family. So I love that. Please expand on that for us. Yes, I always dreamed, I mean, you know, in middle school, high school of being a physical therapist and kind of specializing in women's health. I wanted to own my own, you know, physical therapy clinic and, and help all of these females. So I did the whole med school, got my degree, um, got my doctorate and I worked, um, for like three years. And then I was expecting my third daughter. And I just felt these, this pull between wanting to, to be this professional, um, but also be a mom. And I've always followed my heart. I've always kind of just listened to my gut. And I thought, you know, I can build my way back up to this point in my career, but I will never get this time back with my kids. And so, you know, I thought if I take this leap of faith, stay home with my kiddos and I don't enjoy it, I can always go back, but I will never get that time back with my kids. So I resigned from my um, job as a director of rehab and um, started staying home just before I had our third child. Wow. Wow. Now, what was it like grappling with that back and forth? And I know that our society really kind of puts on a pedestal, the title aspect and the job. So did you have a lot of struggle with that? Or was it pretty clear once you decided that this was the track for now? You know, I didn't have a hard time with the decision of, you know, let's just go with like my gut and follow uh, my heart to stay home with the kids. But what I struggled with was almost that I, um, was failing in a way that I had worked so hard to get to this title and this degree. Um, and then I wasn't using it. Uh, and so I think that's almost honestly what I struggled with more was feeling like I was wasting, um, something that I worked hard for, but it was when I came to the, the acceptance and, um, just the mindset that that was for a season of life and it worked perfectly for that season, but three kids, 
you know, a traveling husband um, that wasn't working for the season of life. And I knew that I could make it work another season. Um, so that was the biggest thing was just that mindset of almost a failure because I wasn't continuing something that I worked so hard to achieve. I love how you frame it with the season of life. And you know, you say that a lot on your website too. And it's such an important reminder just to highlight because we do. And, and now, you know, it's 2023. We're not in that world where it's like, no, you stay in one job for 25 years and retire there. It is embraced to change it and follow your heart more. So that's such a great reminder. Thanks for saying that too. And then how did you get from, I've resigned, I have a third child and then be happy? Yeah, I had all, you know, full intentions of going back to working as a physical therapist. I did a lot of manual therapy. And so I had built up the strength in my hands and I didn't want to lose that. So I was like, well, I'm a lifelong learner. Let's learn something new. So I went to the yarn store and picked up a crochet hook and some yarn and just started (laughs) making hats for the babies in the hospitals. And so that was just like a hobby. Um, and then I was really struggling with the transition of getting ready every day, having a a strict rigid schedule as a therapist and then the stay at home mom life. And so I wanted to feel better about myself. I made a slouch hat from learning to crochet and I just kind of started wearing it around town and other moms started asking where to buy this hat. And I was like, oh, you know, I'll just kind of start selling them on the weekends or at local markets. Um, And so that kind of transitioned into a side gig hustle, something that I could kind of put a little passion project on um, as my kids kind of grew. It's so neat. A random aspect (laughs) of your job before was this hand strength and you translated it into something else. I didn't realize that you didn't crochet before all of this happened. No. Yeah. (laughs) Ah And then growing the business, but also being full-time mom, did it feel like, or does it still feel like you have two full-time jobs again? Have you found a balance? I know it's an overused word, but, or what does life look like? Yeah. You know, I think we've had a lot of change in our life from when I started Be Happy to where we are now, um, because we sold everything to travel before we were in our home in Iowa. So we've had a lot of life change, which I think comes with a change in perspective. Um, so from our kids going to a traditional school to now homeschool, they do help a lot in the business, um, you know, weighing things and, and learning about, you know, ounces to pounds. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think that we can ever really have balance because there's going to be something that's always wanting our attention or what we feel like will want our attention. Um, so I just really, we incorporate a lot of the business aspect into school and just life lessons, um, you know, as we travel. That's great. And that's a great transition too. you know, you sold everything and you live out of an RV and you're actually the third person on the show somehow. I don't know how this worked out, who has done something like this. And what I've realized now is you're number three of this happening, the happiest people, the most like calming people too of just like you're in nature and you have time to reflect and you make time for that and I know from uh, Brooke has a wonderful Instagram account too to follow where you can you just get the sense of that so what was that transition like to go from that traditional house and school etc to living on the road Yeah, you know, I think it was just kind of the same thing as when I was transitioning from a medical professional to a mom was we felt like life was, was 
passing us by. We had these dreams and these goals that we were trying to achieve, but we were missing everything in between. And so we were weekend warriors and we just kind of camped on the weekends. And my husband has a flexible job. I could run my business from um, the road. And I was like, you know what, let's just try this full time. I knew we knew some families that were doing the same thing. And so um, we said, you know, kind of the same thing. We can get a house if this, if we go on the road for a month, we can always come back and, and find a house. Um, it never, the home was always to us, like what we did with the people, you know, in our home, not necessarily the actual structure. So we sold everything in 2019. Actually, next week will be our, our four year anniversary. And um, yeah, I think it just really strips away everything that you think you need in life and really simplifies um you know, the life that we're living. Wow. Wow. And I, it, it simplifies it. Like, I think a lot of people, myself included, think traveling all the time and thinking, oh, that's complicated. I have to figure out where I'm getting groceries. I have to figure out how to store things. What am I doing with all of like mail? I mean, all of those logistical aspects, but you say it simplifies it. How awesome is that? And in what ways have you really just embraced this aside from the obvious of you don't have a house, you live on the road, you have an RV? just expand on that. Yeah. You know, I think that in our society, we feel like we always have to kind of grow or, um, you know, step up to something almost better or what we feel like is better. Um, and so when we actually live with less, there's, it's just incredible. And honestly, I actually noticed it before we sold everything when my husband and I were like, yep, this is kind of what we're doing. We lived in a, our dream home. We had six bedrooms. It was a, you know, too large now. <laughs> Thinking back, it's crazy how large the house was. But um, I got, I started simplifying the kids' toys. And I noticed an immediate difference in the way that they played, their their um, imagination, you know, just their, their, the way that they interacted with each other. They were engaged in things. And I knew immediately that if we don't like this or whatever, you know, maybe a flat tire down the road that, that they were going to be impacted in more ways than we could ever imagine just by kind of taking out some of the noise that we feel like we need to have in our life. Um, when truly we don't. Oh, great. Again, great reminders, just one after the other too, for all of us, even if we're not, you know, living in that same lifestyle that idea of simplifying. And before I miss this chance to highlight what be happy makes it really stand out too, is that you donate the proceeds still. So can you tell us just a little bit more about how you give back, which is so great? Yeah. So when I started crocheting, I would make a hat and, or I would make just hats and, and donate them. And then once I started selling, I would donate one for everyone that was um, purchased. And fortunately we grew too much that I could not keep up with the donations. So in 2018, our middle son was, um, in the PICU for a couple weeks and he, we couldn't leave the room. He was in isolation. So, and only my son or my other kids and my husband could come in and the child life services would bring in movies and toys and Play-Doh for him to, you know, play and engage and do things. And the kids continued to talk about those moments, you know, after everything, you know, after we were discharged, oh, the Spider-Man movie that we watched and this and that. And I was like, this is how we can, you know, make an impact. So we now donate a portion of the proceeds from each sale to purchase wish list items for child life services um, at children's hospitals kind of across the country. 
as we travel. Um, so that's kind of our, our way that we give back. Amazing. I love what you're doing, Brooke, and just share where you are now so that people can get an idea. We are in Iowa for the summer, staying in the <laughs> cornfield. <laughs> love it, love it. Perfect time of year to be out there in the yes. sunshine. Brooke, thanks so much for sharing with us today. Thank you. So next in talking to people, really honing in on this aspect of career change, I am fortunate enough to have Joel Dommel on the show joining me. Joel and I met in high school with the theater world, something called the Freddie Awards, if anyone here is listening from Western New Jersey or Eastern Pennsylvania. And Joel came to New York to be a performer, and he has since shifted, and he is now the Senior Managing Director of Corker and Group on the West Side here in Manhattan. So Joel, thanks so much for hopping on with me today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Kate. It's good to reconnect. Uh, it's like a reunion of sorts. Yes, yes. He was my dance partner in the opening number of one of the award shows way back I when. I forgot that. Yeah, that's true. I I'll see that. if there's like a picture somewhere I can add in here. <laughs> oh, please don't. I'm, I'm not just for my sake. Please do not. <laughs> well, that was long enough ago that I don't think that's all as digital and easy to find as they are today. So Thank you're probably you. safe. Yeah. But hey, Joel, tell us more about well, first, I'd love to hear what brought you to New York in the first place, kind of the performing aspect, and then we can move into how that shifted into real estate. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I went I went to college for music theater. I graduated BFA uh, from the Hart School, uh, met my uh, now wife, then fiance uh, at college as well. And I always I remember telling people when I was in high school and everyone was asking, you know, in the community, like, what are you going to do next? Right. Because I feel like they ask that once you're in middle school on, it seems kind of crazy. They ask it so early. Um, but I was always like, I want to move to New York because I think I can make an impact in like through my work in that way from. And I at the time I thought it was acting. So I was like, I'm going to make an impact that way through my craft in the community, but also, you know, just maybe impact other people, tell, um, you know, tell a story that's worth listening to. And I think that's the thing that got me excited to move to the city. Uh, and I was only really an actor for a short period of time at a little over a year once I moved to the city before I transitioned into real estate. And what was it of, you know, all the careers that you could go into, what pulled you into real estate? It's a good question. I'll be honest, I wasn't looking for it. Um, and I feel like I hear that more and more as I talk to people. But um, it was one of those things, um, I kind of went from one thing to the next until I landed in real estate. Uh, I moved to the city. And in between gigs, I was trying to figure out what else I could do. I was, I was doing kind of personal styling um, at a suit shop on Madison Avenue. Uh, and then, I don't know, I just was like, you know, this isn't a long term plan. I was doing some shows um, that were regional there in the city and outside. And I just like I wanted to transition to something that I could build on that was more stable, that was more predictable, uh, that way I could really like build a future for my family. And that's kind of the way I was thinking of what would be next. And the funny part of it is that actually my wife, um, you know, using the beautiful thing that is the Internet, found like a Groupon for like a real estate course. And she was like, you know what, you can do this inexpensively. You're good in sales. You always have been. You connect with people. It's very relational based. And uh, she bought the group on for me and was like, go to class. Like, that's essentially what it was. And it was nicer than that. Um, my wife's very supportive, but that was kind of the way that this started. And then I just really doubled down and did my classes in a month and went through, you know, all day and into the evening and did those classes, passed my exam. And then I looked for a brokerage. 
Okay. Wow. I love the, the different ways people find a new career. And sometimes, sure, it's like I sat down and I researched and, you know, it led me to this. And other times it's your wife found a Groupon and was like that little extra push. <laughs> I, it's, it's really silly, but I, but it was, let's, I'll be honest, it was rooted in the fact that I loved interior design. I loved yeah. like the aesthetics of things. Um, and I love people. So it was connected to things that I already loved. I just never really thought of it in that way. And sometimes it takes somebody outside of yourself to show you that direction and for you to kind of explore it and say yes. But it was pretty quick once my wife kind of put that in front of me. Uh, and yeah, I obviously I'm, I'm here now. So <laughs> it, it gets it stuck. Yeah. And that idea, right, of like the skill set that you saw yourself in as an actor, right? Your personable, relationship-based, you're able to make it work in all situations, which is like a constant need as an actor, right? And all of that transferred so well. So thinking out of the box with the skill set is another theme that I keep hearing that I love that you ended up highlighting there as well. Yeah, and, and I it came down to, to like what motivated me, like even in my work now, I'm looking back and I've been reflecting on it more because I'm, you know, I'm kind of always thinking about when I'm in things and I'm doing certain kind of work, is it a no for me or is it a yes for me, right? Then you can feel those internally. Like, is my body saying no to this thing? Like, it's really draining me or it feels limiting or I'm just frustrated all the time when I'm doing these particular things. That's like a feeling of no. And then obviously if it gives me energy, if it makes me feel kind of expansive or um, like, you know, really energized, like that's me saying, yes, I want more of that work. So kind of listening to what that is when you're looking to make a transition is very helpful. Um, and But even with the work that you're doing, if I know certain things like light me up and get me motivated, how can I work that into my day to help me prepare for the harder things that are going on, right? Or the things that I maybe I'm not naturally geared to do, but are still necessary in the work that I do. And what is it in the real estate world that is the most motivating to you? Like, is it the people? Is it your colleagues? What aspect of it? Yeah, I uh, I like that question because that's the, those kinds of questions are the things that get me energized, right? It's it's asking like significant questions. It's uh, it's coaching. Um, it's helping people like kind of realize potential that maybe they didn't see or they can't see for themselves. Um, it's innovating. How can we do things better? Um, so I think those are the aspects that. When there's a situation, even a negotiation for, you know, a, a multi-million dollar apartment or less than a million, it doesn't really matter. It's like these situations that we're given. Well, how can we do this in a way that's going to best serve other people and the situation so that we can come to a, a you know, a, a good result? Um, that's the kind of stuff that really gets me, gets me engaged. And especially when I'm doing like the coaching and the workshops and exchanging ideas, I still take that actor mentality, those things I really like this collaborative spirit into into situations, right? So that we can find a solution. I, I think that's thing, that's the thing that has best served me uh, throughout my career is that actor mentality of how do we handle these situations in the moment? I say often actors make the best employees because in so many ways they know how to deal with people. And that's such a skill that is so needed in, you know, even things that aren't obviously people related industries like real estate, obviously you're dealing with people constantly, but I mean, in anything you're behind a desk and you still need those skills yeah. in order to succeed. And just relationally, I mean, we did Meisner for a little while. It's like, okay, I'm going to listen. I'm going to receive what that person says. And to be able to, to be able to repeat back to someone or reflect back what they said to you without changing it, right? <laughs> without putting your own like interpretation onto it. And so it allows people to feel heard. It allows them to 
really you're just creating a, a space of significance for them there in that moment um, and so it happens in little moments but it happens then as you build as you build those moments and tie them together it, it creates a, a very different environment I think for people to operate and uh, and to share and, and communicate and that's so huge and you know something else that caught my eye in your social media was that you get up at about 4 20 in the morning and you have a very set morning schedule and routine yes. right how did that come about and how has it influenced your work yeah that's uh that's a more of a recent change i think i've been doing that for a little over a year maybe two years now um i gotta be honest it was it was a lack of self-confidence that i needed to actually create more discipline for myself um actually when i got into management when I, I was an agent for eight years before i transferred into management now i've been with the company for about 11 years and when I got into management, I was like, I thought I was pretty disciplined. But when I got into management, I was like, yeah, I really need to be more disciplined if I'm going to be able to handle this. Um, I also commute from Connecticut. So I have to get up really early in order to have time for myself before I commute in so that I don't feel behind <laughs> because I manage 165, 170 people. Uh, so I need to kind of be prepared for the day. So similar to how I'm looking for yeses in my day, like I need to prime myself for the for myself to take on the challenges of the day so the only time I really felt to be able to do that um was to get up early and it didn't start at four o'clock in the morning like it was like it was like 5 30 maybe 5 45 if I'm being honest and then at 15 minutes earlier and you know a month later was another 15 minutes till where I got up to a point where I felt like uh it was the right amount of time and that like for me it like I said about the self-respect thing um I just felt like I was letting myself off the hook. I said for a year and a half, I was going to go work out. I was going to be more active. I was going to be more disciplined in those things. And I wasn't doing it. Um, and so I kind of hit a breaking point of, you know what? I'm, I'm, I need to build this self-respect for myself because I'm, I'm saying I'm going to do it. And then I don't. And that needs to stop. And so I just started committing to it. And I'm more accountable to other people than I am to myself. And so I felt the best way to do that was, uh, you know, and be productive on that was to start sharing that in my stories every morning when I do it. Uh, and that got to a point where my agents were saying, wow, you really get up early. That's discipline. I'm like, you don't have no idea. I've been struggling with discipline my whole life. And so it's just one of those things that I think um, I, I was acting as if until it was true. And so now I'm much more disciplined. It's much easier for me to get up in the morning and uh, and and really affects, gives me so much more energy throughout the day and throughout the week. It, it's a game changer. I can't believe I didn't do it before. And I love this so much. You know, most of the listeners know by this point that in addition to the performing world, I'm in the fitness world as well. Oh, yeah, and having taught for many years the 6 a.m. classes, I was always amazed by the consistency of that group of mm. people. And I teach in corporations. So these people go at 6 a.m., they get there to do their workout. And by 7 a.m., they're at their desks for the entire day. And the majority of the people in my classes were commuting in from New Jersey and Westchester and whatnot. So to think back, like they're getting on a train at five in the morning to get here. And it's so consistent. And there is something about not only like just putting it in the calendar and making it an automatic over time, but those morning hours where, you know, you're not going to get a meeting scheduled for 6 a.m. unless you're working with, you know, another country. Your kid isn't going to have a soccer game at 6 a.m. You're you're not going to have to have a doctor's appointment at 6 a.m. So it's so much easier to, even though it feels halfway to impossible, I think for some people to get up at, earlier, there is something about the ability to create a habit in the morning of whether it's exercise or eating breakfast, or I saw that you also like to write in the mornings, you know, any aspect of that. 
Yeah, for sure. And I, I kind of came to this realization that if I can't hold space for myself, how can I hold space for 165 people, let alone one person, right? So it was like, you know, I got to prioritize that because again, I, I have to prime myself, but just the ability to hold space for myself was a what became a big part and it was eating away at me for a while but until I made the the choice and then you know obviously it took time to be as consistent as I am now I think people are like oh all of a sudden you were just consistent I'm like absolutely not and people that are consistent are still only doing it 80% of the time they're not doing it 100% every day like consistency is relative but for me 80% of the time it now is consistent um but that took that even took a year to get to a point where I felt like I'm proud of this you know and I'm glad you said that because people do get discouraged. Like I, I need to do X for an hour a day. And when it doesn't happen, it feels like it can feel like a failure, but no, it can be two minutes earlier, or it can be four out of the five days, you know, to build that up. So thanks yeah. for highlighting that as well. For sure. Yeah. It's just showing up. And I think it, it has to start there because we, we let ourselves down all the time, not showing up when we say we're going to, and, and that's, the, that's really the big thing that, that pushes things forward. So that leads a great way just to wrap up with showing up. You showed up to yourself to, to, to ask the big questions about, should I still be an actor? Should I find something else in life? Am I being pulled in a different direction? Do you have any advice for someone who's going through that moment of something feels off and I need to go a different route, but I'm scared to take the steps or I'm not sure anything on that regard? Yeah, that's a good question. I like how you, uh, how you asked it too. I, I think that... I never really thought of it this way, but based on your question, I think I remember because I was sitting backstage on a production of Macbeth that I was doing in the city when I had the realization, I just was like, no, I, I shouldn't do this anymore. Um, it wasn't even like I was sitting down really thinking about it. It, it was just this realization. And I think the question that kind of came into my head was, is this really serving who I want to be in the future um, or the cause that I'm really pushing forward? And I felt like it was I felt like the answer was no, obviously, because I changed uh, pretty shortly after that. Um, but I felt like there was too much stress in all parts of my life that I couldn't really be myself effectively and communicate what I was actually trying to, the value I was trying to um, to give like to myself, to my family, to like the things I was doing. So I think that really was, right, this no longer serves me or what I'm trying to become. And so I need to make that change. And once I kind of realized that, um, and it wasn't like 100%, but it was the majority of what I was feeling was, no, this isn't, right? Um, so I would say that, uh, you know, I was looking at what's the cause, like, what am I really here to do? I was, I, I wanted to come to the city to impact other people, right, through my work. And I, at the time, I thought it was through telling actor stories, the stories of the plays that I was working in, the, the shows I was working in. And now I'm actually realizing that it's impacting people through my work, but helping them tell their stories so that they can better connect with people and add value and create a, a space of significance for others. And so that has been consistent the whole time. The funny thing is, is I just had to go back and realize that. And I think it starts with those questions of, is this currently serving me? And if not, what are those things that give me the energy? What are the yeses that are showing up in my daily life already? And how can I maybe add more of those into my daily existence, right? And what I'm doing. And gradually, I think we can find the answer to that naturally without putting ourselves under so much pressure to make a big choice then and there. That was beautifully put. That's one of those moments where I say like, pause, rewind, listen to it again, and then move on. 
Excellent. Joel, thanks so much for chatting with me today and all the information on where to follow Joel and Corcoran is going to be in the show notes as well. I can't thank you enough for your time. No, thank you. I love connecting with you and always love talking about this stuff. So thanks, Kate. So happy to introduce you to Miriam Silverglade. She is a triple board certified physician in internal medicine, geriatrics, and obesity medicine. She's the founder of Virtual Wellbeing MD, a clinic that offers comprehensive, holistic, and personalized care to patients using advanced technology and evidence-based medicine to prevent and treat medical and emotional conditions that could affect their current and or future quality of life and well-being. Dr. Z, as she is more often known, is also the author of The 3G Cycle of Life, the secrets for achieving joy, meaning, and well-being. She has two sons, a husband, a supportive family in Florida, and her dream is to help others achieve lives full of joy, meaning, and well-being. Miriam, thanks so much for talking to me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super happy to be here. <laughs> oh, absolutely my pleasure. And what I'm loving with this trio of mini interviews for this episode is highlighting career change, different aspects, different meanings of career change, how you define it, because something that has come up in the first 90 plus episodes of Be The Good With Kate over and over again is that idea of what we say we're gonna do at 18, what we sign up for in college, what our first job is, is not the one that it ends up being 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, et cetera. So Miriam was telling me before we hit record a little bit about where that came for you. So how about we start back at the beginning and share away? Yeah, I, I want to say something before I tell my story. And I want to kind of uh, open the door for people to change their perspective, right? And to understand that based on the stories that they, they will hear, right? Not only mine, but many other stories. The fact that we change through life doesn't mean that we fail actually that we are growing, right? And, and this is something that I, I used to repeat myself and, and now I, I actually believe it's true. We are here not to be exactly the same person that we were 10 years ago, 20, 30, whatever we are in, in our life. We are supposed to change and we are supposed to have different perspectives and different needs and, and to have the ability to adapt. Uh, to be self-aware, to recognize the gaps, to recognize our new needs, and to take the, that information and the courage to say, what is happening today doesn't fit my needs today anymore. They were perfect for yesterday. They are not good for today. I need to reassess and I need to push forward and go out of my comfort zone to achieve the life that I want today and that I deserve today. That is not easy. So, uh, and, and I want to say again, this is not a demonstration of failing. This is not a demonstration of quitting. This is a demonstration of courage and emotional intelligence. Uh, and I hope that if someone right now is hearing this and they are going through that process of transition, this will change their perspective and, and the, the messages that they will be sending to themselves during the process. So be proud of yourself. You are smart enough to know that you don't belong to this part of the journey and that it's time for you to change the route. So go for it. I love what you just <laughs> said. Absolutely. And let's repeat courage 
going out of the comfort zone, the mindset aspect of it's what you're telling yourself. This is progress. This is change. This is evolving. And we are not the same people tomorrow that we were yesterday. Thank you for highlighting that. I loved it. And I am the demonstration of that, right? I didn't want to be a physician. I was terrified of blood and I still have problems with needles. Don't get them close to me. So, uh, and I, I used to faint in front of the meat in the market because it was death, right? So when I went to, to my parents to let them know that I will not be a psychologist, but a doctor because my best friend in the school wants me to be a psychiatrist so we can study together in medical school they almost have a heart attack and they try as much as possible to convince me that that is not happening uh but that's what you need to do with an adolescent tell them no so they will find a way to do it right so of course i went to medical school which was very good for me because i was so sentimental and so emotional uh that I will cry with every patient. So imagine me being a psychiatrist that will not have a happy ending. So I grow as a physician and what happened is that I still had the heart of the psychologist, right? I wanted to help. So I will always keep my emotional aspect right there. Like I will ask for the emotional things, the social aspects of the patient. I will always take that in consideration. So I was kind of a weird physician in some way, right? The one that cries with the patient, the one that goes and buys stuff for them. Uh, I used to take the pants or, 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 or socks of my dad and bring them <laughs> to the patients in the hospital if they didn't have family. And, um, but well, I was a physician, officially a physician. So years later, um, after practicing for 10 years in medicine, my new change came, right? And this, I was a successful physician working hard and being happy professionally, but I was absolutely single and I was almost 40. And I met my husband and my husband was actually living in Miami and I was in Peru. So after dating back and forth for a year, he proposed and I quit my job via Skype because I was in Miami at the time. And um, we surprised our parents with a wedding and we got married. Uh, and I was supposed to start from zero in the US trying to learn a new language, uh, recover my status as physician, right? Because you have to get trained again. Uh, and this time I was above 40 and pregnant twice during my training. So my residents were able to be my kids. In the 20s, I was in the 40 something and I was training with them being pregnant. And you could say that that would be a traumatic event for many. For me, it was a blast because I was able, I was enjoying it. All the adrenaline and learning the new things that were available, right? And, and you will think that that will be my last change in life. So no. I finished my training and I went for my wonderful job and COVID came. And COVID opened my eyes to something that I never learned in medical school in Peru or each year. And is that I was going after the certificates. I was going after um, the levels, right? The positions and the acceptance of others and I was forcing myself to feed. Yes, it's still I, I had this love for medicine and for helping that, you know, I started this journey, but it was diluted uh, and the background noise was getting me confused. And 
I was procrastinating and taking care of my kids, my parents, my marriage, myself, trying to fit the label that I have. You're a physician, you are a leader, you have obligations, you are an academic person, right? Um, and, and, and COVID brought a lot of bad stuff to our lives, but for me, it brought this self-awareness. And that forced me to go for my next change in life. And I don't know if it will be the last one, but at least it was a very important one. I quit my job and all my positions, and I decided to write a book about well-being. Uh, of course, I got trained and I educate myself and etc. It's not that, it was not just my opinion. And now I am opening this clinic outside of the healthcare system that was not a healthy place for me and that was not a representation of my values and who I was as a person and as a doctor. And I am going back to close the cycle, right? I'm going back to my roots. I am becoming that doctor psychologist that I wanted to be all my time. And I am centering in the well-being, not only the physical, but the emotional well-being of people in order to be able to achieve my own personal well-being and the well-being of my family and the ones that I love so much. Um, and do I think that I fail? No. Do I think that this is a scary? It's absolutely scary. Every step, every change has been a scary, but has been so worth it. Uh, so if you guys are going through something like this, jump into the pool, but don't jump alone. Ask for help, ask for friends, for, for supporters, for coaches, for mentors, for people in social media, who, wherever you want, uh, because you will be surprised of the support, love, and encouragement that you can get if you accept your vulnerabilities, you accept that you need help and that you are learning something new and that, um, you cannot do this by yourself, but you can grow with others supporting you. You can't do this by yourself, but you can grow with others supporting you. That's huge. And it is, it's so hard to reach out for help. And I so, so incredible that journey and not just careers and jobs. You also changed countries, languages, size of family, <laughs> right? And size of the belly. <laughs> I, I got it right now, right now too with you, right there. Uh, <laughs> this episode will hopefully make it into being released before he comes out. <laughs> well, he, he will know that he's well received, right? And he's coming with positive energies. Absolutely. He's been surrounded again, that support system by a lot of positive energy. And I also wanted to ask you about that when you made the decision to go from traditional medicine, let's say as a doctor to then stopping it all and writing the book, did you find a community? Like how did you figure out what the heck you do to write a book? Yeah, so in my case, I didn't stop completely medicine. I joined uh, a practice like telehealth practice where I was very independent with my schedules and things like that. So. Uh, I believe the majority of women uh, will say today that they need to feel some independence and that goes with their egos, all right? So I was not able to, to become someone that suddenly needs to ask or I, I wanted to keep uh, my independence and, and, and feel that I am not pushing my husband to an uncomfortable zone. So I, I continue working 
uh, this part-time as, as a physician doing telemedicine. And I joined actually a group that, from Georgetown University. At that point, it was called Creators that uh, used to give us a grant, people like me, that they have something to say and have no idea how to do it. So we were collectively writing. We were be a group of, I would say, 100, 120 individuals. And we started to receive classes and training. And each of us, we were able to kind of graduate publishing the book, right? Some of them, they were not able, some of them. But I will tell you what was magical about this experience. Uh, I not only I, I was able to publish a book and I learned a lot of things and push myself very out of my comfort zone, but I met amazing people and I created a very amazing network of, of new friends around the country. Um, and one of the individuals that I met there and uh, one of the ladies that I met there and actually I interviewed for my book is now part of the project of the clinic, uh, which is amazing. Who will think that we will meet in a program to, I mean, it sounds already weird, right? Like, oh, we met when we were writing our own books, right? And, <laughs> and, now, and now we are, she is um, a former uh, Buddhist nun a uh, very kind lady. Uh, she went through several changes in her life and probably you would love to interview her. She is a spectacular, uh, Sophie. And, and Sophie will be helping me with everything that is related to mindfulness, meditation, to help my patients not only to achieve their physical well-being, but you cannot achieve physical well-being if you are not emotionally in the right place. Yes. And that's something that really drew me to what you're doing now too, is the whole self, the well-being aspect, not, you know, just writing a prescription and being done with it. It's so no, And there is so much in medicine. I believe that the ego of many of us as physicians in one side, in the other side, the, the pressure from the corporations and insurance that do not allow us to, to order these things or that things and, uh, and how tired we are, right? How pressed we are and, and the, the lack of a space for us to keep developing uh, our knowledge has been uh, the kind of removing us from the opportunity to practice a more modern medicine. And uh, what I did is being curious as I am, I started to find out what else is available. And not only adding this kind of holistic approach means to add meditation, mindfulness, or, or you know, lifestyle modification, which is absolutely great. But now we have the opportunity to do precision medicine, to do DNA testing, uh, to do remote monitoring. We can evaluate the, the, the sleep patterns of people, right? Just with devices. Uh, you are moody, of course, you are not sleeping well. I know that you are moody, you are tired, you are not able to be, you know, the, 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 the high executive that you want to be. You are not sleeping well, or you are not exercising, or you have pain. But so those are things that remote monitoring can give us information about the, the daily activities and how your body responds to that, your heart rate as a response, your temperature, your oxygen, right? So, so we can capture all that information and adapt our treatments to that. We don't need to work anymore blindly, right? Uh, now we have data that can guide us, so we are more precise. But beyond that, we have also 
the test, the blood test, DNA testing that can give us information about the body per se and the type of reactions that you will have to medications. Are you able to metabolize this medication appropriately or not? Why I take this medication and I have side effects and you don't? It's because our body has specific characteristics. We can get that information why we are not using it in a normal, you know, in a common way. We, we have that. And the other thing that we have with DNA is you can get information about when your body has your metabolism like on the high level or when low, why you have appetite for at that point, why, uh, I don't know, you will benefit from this type of exercise or diet and no, and, and more and more information. So I feel like if we don't use this, and I'm not saying that it's 100% sure, but there is nothing 100% sure in life, right? Or in medicine right now either. But if we don't start using technology and, and a modern information to support the journey of patients to achieve health or well-being, we are not giving our 100% to patients. And, and that is not fair. It's wonderful to hear how you're so at the, you know, that cutting edge of what's coming and what's here and focusing on well-being. And the website is virtualwellbeingmd.com, correct? That okay. is. And that'll, that'll be in the captions too, as well as your social media handles. Miriam, I can't thank you enough for joining me today. Thank you for having me and thank you for inspiring others, right? Because that's what we need. We need to hear stories. We need to know that we are not alone. That is not just us, that we are not crazy. No, we are passionate people with dreams and we have the right to go for it and to achieve the life that we deserve, right? And that we have been dreaming of. Absolutely. Oh, and so much just actionable advice too that you've given. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. In taking classes over the years or observing workout videos, one major piece that is often missing, stressing safety and form. Additionally, group fitness classes are often marketed as being open to all levels, yet how often do instructors not give modifications nor progressions so that each participant truly can get what he or she needs out of the class? So that's why I created the 101 series, which take things back to basics with three separate courses, Bar 101, Pilates 101, and Hit 101, focusing on safety and efficiency so you can maximize your workouts, be confident when you step into a group fitness class or workout on your own, be strong in your execution of the most common exercises, and be proud of yourself for taking these huge steps forward on your health journey. Check it out at bebykate.com. The link is in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening to Be The Good with Kate Cherichello. Whether you're listening on YouTube or via podcast, it would mean the world if you liked, subscribed, and or left a review. You heard about the good? Now go out and be the good in your life this week. If you have stories of good news that need to be shared, please send me a message. Thanks again and have a great week.